Hello and welcome to Science with Shweta podcast. Our guest for today is Neha Rana. Neha is currently in her second year of PhD. She is doing her research at the University of Bergen, Norway in the field of tissue engineering. So let's talk to Neha and know more about her. Today's episode is sponsored by Medizy. Medizy is a learning platform where healthcare professionals share their knowledge, experience and useful learning resources with other peers in a quick and effective way. Using the Medizy mobile application, you can get instant access to the latest medical news and research as well as it enables quick communication with medical peers around the globe. It also offers a medical question bank covering major topics from 17 different specialties. So click on the link below in the description to get lifetime access to Made Easy at a special discounted price. Hi Neha. Hi Shweta. Thank you so much for joining us Neha. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad this is my first ever podcast interview. Yeah that's so great and thank you it's really great to have you and i was really looking forward to this conversation i mean i remember we started uh, talking about and planning it in like na- yeah. last month and now you're yeah. finally doing, <laughs> doing it yeah fine finally i'm also very excited and looking forward to it yeah. yeah and also it's great that i think this is the last uh, podcast interview i'll be doing before the year ends and yeah. i'm so that it is ending with with the conversation with you and we managed to do it in this year oh thank you so much yeah i was really hoping that after we delayed it so many times that we managed yeah. to do it this year yeah, it's that great. was one of the agenda yeah <laughs> yeah okay so neha tell us uh, more about yourself and uh, how did you get interested in this field and how did you decide that you wanted to mm-hmm. do research Yeah so I am a biochemist from background means mm-hmm. I have a master's degree in biochemistry from India and uh, uh, I've I've been a researcher from a very long time before now starting my official PhD degree uh, so uh, like when I started I really didn't know if PhD is a fit career for me but mm-hmm. then I just went on to do a couple of internships with different labs and then i found that i really liked the work and i understood a lot of research and how to do it and i i became more familiar with the methodologies and that's how i finally <laughs> decided that i want to pursue a research career so that's how i came up to here but that's a like like just being said that it's a very very long journey and took a lot of time to figure all this out Yeah, so uh, after you completed your masters uh, you did some internships uh, and worked worked and then you went on for your phd yeah because uh, you must be knowing this uh, after completing masters in basic sciences like even mm-hmm. msc biochemistry comes under basic or you do biotechnology or yes. msc in suppose zoology or botany all these science degrees you don't land up to a job straight forward after this that's true and, which is very sad in our country yeah because the the type of jobs i was offered after msc biochemistry were all uh, pharmaceutical jobs mm-hmm. and they wanted specifically pharma people for that 
or having that degree so that was really one trouble which i faced immediately uh, going up for a job after msc biochemistry mm -hmm. and then even for research jobs so that was the same question when i went for i did got a lot of interview calls for research positions mm -hmm. but then they need exactly that kind of experience for their projects which i was lacking and that's why i decided that since my masters didn't equip me with that much of practical research experience i need to have uh, some research internship so that's how i went into i actually went to mumbai for a for a different job which was mm -hmm. a job in business administration <laughs> because okay. at that time i was still struggling to find out what will be good for me and what i am good at so i got this job opportunity and i took it so at least it was one of the opportunity to move to a bigger city from my own city and try out other things so it was good and then i i did it for 6 7 months and then i realized this is not for me like i cannot sit and work with files or talk to people on phone or business mm -hmm. management is not my thing so i really wanted to do something more which was related to my academic experience and that's how i one of actually it's it's very funny how things relate <laughs> in life from one point to another and that's how a very dear friend of mine and she suggested me that hey there is this institute very close by research institute why don't you go and check it out and ask people if they want research volunteers or mm -hmm. internships so this was all after my post masters that i was doing this but actually this should be done before masters <laughs> or in your master so that's how it it went i mean i i can totally relate and understand it's it's like very difficult after you complete your masters to just land yeah. immediately into i think anything it's not just job but into phd or maybe a job in industry yeah so sometimes very difficult to get a research position itself so yeah, yeah. also this and it's very difficult to you know answer people socially about this that you have your masters but then you are still uh, not paid for a job why why are you doing that kind of job yeah or if you are not getting paid now what is the chance that you will get paid in the future yeah it's like a lot of social uh, pressure especially i can understand if you are doing this in india then we do have a lot of pressure yeah uh, yeah so when i left my like uh, I'll not say fairly paid job, but it was mm -hmm. actually paying me something at least to start off with as a job yeah. after masters. Mm -hmm. But then I left that those that paying job and went into an unpaid job as a volunteer, mm -hmm. working in a lab with more working hours than what I used to have in my actual job. Mm -hmm. So that was the first question I faced: is why are you doing this? What are you doing with your life? Yeah, I totally I get. That's it. one of the challenge which we have to. overcome in india yeah but like having said this neha uh, i i have talked to many uh, people who are like studying currently in india or did their uh, part of the studies from india have faced this uh, like yeah. doing bachelor's or masters is not like considered a mainstream career in india and you yeah. also face similar problems but after your masters but like i want to know like during your masters or your bachelors did you have such questions that why did you decide to do bsc or msc and did you face any of that yeah i did <laughs> <laughs> because basic sciences is is only for like uh, for knowledge purpose 
purpose not for job yeah. purpose that's what people think in india that these are only for these degrees will not land you any job which is in a way true also like, like that i faced from my experience uh, unless you decide for teaching so if you if you decide for teaching then it's very good mm-hmm. it's not it's not like you will not end up anything you still have that secure teaching job so you can go on to uh, like many of my friends did that they went on to do a formal teaching degree like be it bachelor's in education or even master's in education after that mm-hmm. so yeah. that that also can land you a good job with basic academic degree and then education degree is a like good mix for teaching career but then i was not interested so much in teaching career yeah so then it's kind of restrictive i will say yeah yeah so yeah is. i faced a lot of uh, problem back then also but then that time my only focus was uh, was to learn and understand at least learn something of the field which i am so much interested about and mm-hmm. want to pursue a career in the future so then i didn't thought about job perspectives or what will happen in the future with these degrees and like any other student you know in india we have either you either be a doctor or an engineer <laughs> yeah <laughs> true so i i actually wanted to be a doctor frankly mm-hmm. and then i i spent an year for medical examination medical exam preparations and all those things but then i i couldn't manage to get a good college i only managed a dental college which again i didn't wanted to do it so that's how i uh, came to bsc and sc Yeah. yeah yeah i mean i know it can be difficult but you know i really listening to you i really appreciate and appreciate you and i want to tell you that you're doing so great i mean it's very difficult okay. to say uh, so focused and determined and make these tough choices like you said you oh, had to keep you. Uh, you for that because you said that you left your job and then you went mm. in the one which is unpaid you know these decisions mm. are very very difficult to make and in in all of it you have the social pressure which we just talked about like from the society mm. particularly the indian society and you still did what you want to do and you're doing so great now it's it's really nice thank you shweta but really uh, frankly when you you still know that what are the risks you are taking when you do that but then you have to take some risk in life to actually do what you want to do so uh, that was a good chance for me that that internship was i would say the turning point in my career yeah. like it was a hard decision leaving a job and frankly uh, i didn't got this internship immediately after leaving the job so mm-hmm. i was uh, like literally sitting at home for 3 to 4 months doing nothing <laughs> and looking for another job and thinking what a big mistake i have done leaving the job <laughs> so this is not easy but then things happen you have to be i think Uh, bold and accepting of what you really want to do in life yeah. and that's when things happen you really have to be like determined if you want to do yeah. it you have to do it and then no matter how long it takes you just have to make it happen but that's that's really great so uh, can you tell us more about your current research work yeah so my current research work it uh, focuses on mesenchymal stem cells which are adult stem cells in our body mm-hmm. and like we have uh, also have embryonic stem cells which are different stem cells uh, different in a way that uh, embryonic stem cells have a natural potential to differentiate into all the lineages of mm-hmm. cells like 
bone forming cells muscle forming cells or uh, cartilage forming cells for example but adult stem cells or mesenchymal stem cells they they need a stimulus to be able to uh, become true stem cells so they are not true stem cells in that way uh, but then advantages of a therapy involving these adult stem cells is that you avoid the the difficulties with like say mhc matching because mm-hmm. they do not have uh, mhc surfaces on their mhc markers on their surfaces mhc2 so the problem of rejection during stem cell transplantation is one of the big problems and these cells avoid that problem so you will not have any rejection problems mm-hmm. and most of these therapies which are now developed or focused a lot on mesenchymal stem cells are from the are the autologous therapies so you take these stem cells from a person's body and transplant back to the same person or the same body yeah so you won't have any uh, rejection transplantation rejection issues mm-hmm. so this has been done uh, uh, in clinics now and uh, if we talk of research potential then these cells have been used a lot in cardiovascular research renal research and many other graft versus host diseases mm-hmm. to treat these diseases and they have been very very good in that way so so they have been used to treat all these diseases and there are very good results but now coming taking them to the clinic and using them to die- directly transplant into humans for uh, for finding a cure or curing these diseases this requires a lot more research in their mechanistic behavior how they interact with other cells because ultimately these are stem cells you don't know when you put them into body uh, what they will do how they will differentiate you have to control that differentiation otherwise they can differentiate and form tumor also Yeah. in some time mm-hmm. so this needs a lot of validation and research for their safety for their efficiency and that's where my phd project comes into okay. so i am uh, working with bone regeneration group here in bergen mm-hmm. and our group has already done a small clinical trial phase 1 trial a couple of years back in bergen for bone regeneration and which was for maxillofacial bone regeneration because the problem with uh, mandible and maxillary and these bones are it's very difficult to uh, you know to if something happens it's very difficult to repair them mm-hmm. yeah so you cannot do that with uh, these mandible and maxillary bones so it's very difficult to do something here in this area or to surgically operate them for example so that's why bone regeneration is very important for these bones Yeah. and also this becomes one of the application for uh, dentistry because for sometimes for implanting new teeth or for filling some defects in the teeth area you need new bone or for uh, putting new implants for example yeah that's why they did this and that that was a very successful trial so they showed in 11 patient that they could form new bone by putting mm-hmm. their own stem cells along with a biomaterial graft which which induces the stem cells to form new bone yeah so uh, this happened and but then uh, they needed more proof to take this clinical trial ahead and now they proposed a multi center clinical trial uh, which is taking place in, in different european countries so mm-hmm. but then now we will have samples from all those uh, surgeries and the challenge is to evaluate all those samples and biopsies and blood samples uh, for their safety and effectiveness and we'll see what what has happened so how mechanistically the cells have formed new bones whether it's their 
differentiation ability it's their healing ability or it's something to do with the immunomodulation potential of these cells which is also very well worked out in literature so the cells interact with all the immune cells in the bodies mm-hmm. and that's how they kind of work out uh, therapeutically from the host immune responses mm-hmm. to bring out the regeneration process so this is something which is biologically a lot more there to understand and figure out and that's important if you are developing clinical trial from this kind of therapy or even if you want to use these cells ahead for something else for for some other diseases for example uh, neurological diseases or multiple sclerosis mm-hmm. so i think that will be very helpful to uh, build a new therapy or new application procedure from mesenchymal stem cells yeah i hope that yeah. was not very elongated and confusing no no i think it was it was very clear and i think it's very interesting because uh, this is the hardcore research which goes into building up a therapy you really yeah. need to understand what are the mechanisms so that you can yeah. work out the therapy and i think that's what you're doing and it's very interesting yeah yeah i actually lines up with some application and which is actually the ultimate aim of every research to translate yeah. into some... yeah actually yeah that's that's you said it very right it's very translational translational in a way that it's actually translating in in the same course of time as i'm researching i'm also getting to see a clinical trial and getting to analyze those samples from the trial in in my phd as well so i think it's very interesting to have all sort of models in this project like i have in vitro model of bone regeneration in vivo model of bone regeneration because i'm working with animals also mm-hmm. uh, where we will mimic the same therapy procedure as we will do in humans why we are doing this is because in animal study you have more control than a human study yeah, yeah. for example in animals i can have a group in which i only transplant the biomaterial and not the cells so that way i can specifically look into the role of cells because biomaterial itself is doing something also for bone mm-hmm. regeneration so that way i can kind of distinguish between the two effects but i cannot have a group like that in humans yeah true <laughs> so it's that's easy why to i think animals yeah yeah animal study is very very important for for validation of any kind of um, new treatment method or mm-hmm. new clinical therapy this this all really sounds interesting but uh, you are working with like like real patients and then you also have in vivo models so which is your favorite aspect of your research what do you really enjoy the most <laughs> frankly uh, with patients i will not have much role because uh, that only the doctors and the uh, specialized surgeons will do all the job there and i'll only get to have the samples which i will analyze later uh but yeah my favorite part is in vitro part <laughs> because that i can control all by myself uh with animals it gets it gets very strict the time points are very strict and the whole timeline is like that you have to you have to work and you can't control all the things in animals like suppose we lost some animals during surgery mm-hmm. uh, we also lost some san- animals due in in blood sampling due to due to anesthesia Mm-hmm. so that kind of uh, sometimes skews your data the whole animal data is something which is what it is you can't do anything about it <laughs> so you directly show whatever comes even if it's not statistically significant for example 
I don't know yet. I have not analyzed my my animal samples, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying that you can't do anything about that. But I think in in vitro you have a lot of, uh, and you only do your animal experiment once. You don't repeat it. Yeah. <laughs> like ideally, you should not repeat it. That's very very expensive. That uses a lot of resources. You are using live resources. Yeah. So. there are ethical considerations there are ethical considerations it takes so long to get your first of all your get to get your animal application approved mm-hmm. from the ethical com- committee and all these steps yeah. so i think in that way i i don't want to do more animal exp- experiments <laughs> in my phd but i do have some more like i have, this is there is this very interesting part of my project where i will be tracking my stem cells in vivo like live in vivo tracking oh that's so, nice yeah that's the that's one thing i'm very uh, excited and looking forward to in my phd project and there's also one thing where uh, where i'm working with this very novel method and i will see on a single cell level all, all the stem cells that technology is one of the kind of main highlight of the whole project that that's really nice yeah so that's a lot of work <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of work for PhD. So yeah. uh, you are currently in your second year of PhD. Yeah. So it's definitely not e- easy to be a PhD student. So what are the challenges you face while when you started, and how did you overcome them? Challenges, a lot of challenges. Words. Yeah. Yeah, you said it right. PhD is not at all easy, and even if you have some experience in research like me. every phd project is different and when you start it with the beginning uh, like start with a scratch like me in your research group where not everyone is so acquainted with all these techniques and procedures then you have to do all the optimizations from yourself so that was one of the uh, main challenging points in my phd project still is mm-hmm. so i have to optimize everything in my project all the in vitro methods which i'm using all the in vivo methods which i'm using all the methods i'm using to analyze the patient samples like the single cell analysis which i just talked about that will be for the patient samples so nobody has worked here in my group on these methods and it's not even one method is like that which i can say is already established in the lab so it's good also have been establishing so all these things from the beginning and but it's very difficult it, it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of efforts yeah and, and there is also this part about validation and yes. you have to do the experiments repeat them yeah, yeah actually so this is uh, this is a challenging project in itself yeah. uh, it doesn't matter if you have people helping you or if you have expertise in the lab or not but still if you have that that will be very nice that will at least fasten the uh, the wow. growth in the project but now it's it's bit slow i will say mm-hmm. but i hope we'll reach somewhere at the end of it yeah i'm sure you'll be because yeah. i think I'm, you're putting a lot of efforts into this and eventually it will pay off yeah i hope that <laughs> thank you so um you did your masters in india and then you uh, did some internships and you went for your phd to norway so how exactly was the application procedures were are there any specific requirements uh, before you get into phd mm-hmm. in norway yeah so actually uh, i did some research internships in india 
and then i also had a, a research fellowship like a research job in india before i came to norway mm-hmm. so that that's why i said it's a long period so that that job was of like around one and a half years mm-hmm. uh, and that was not related to uh, stem cells or cancer cells and that that was in uh, mycobacterium tuberculosis and that's mm-hmm. where i had some resources in terms of money when i was earning and i thought why not invest it and uh, see if i still have chances to get get a phd abroad in a good institute and good lab so that's where i actually spent a lot and both time and money for uh, uh, looking for us phd schools and labs so i i did coaching for gre and cleared gre exam with a good score and then i had ielts exam not not ielts toefl exam for language because you need all these exams to apply yeah. for united states but then i came to know that you don't need anything to apply for norway and also to be frank uh, when i was doing this internship in in tata institute in atrek in mumbai for cancer uh, i came to know with this collaborator of mine and we also shared a co-author paper from before and she is a, a pi here in norway so i actually uh, had been in touch with her quite back before getting a job which i had uh, in 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 delhi okay so yeah she actually wanted me to come here and start as a research fellow and then we can see if if she has a proper funding and position to take me as a phd student but then mm-hmm. due to some reasons or the reasons were like i still have to finish my contract which is a job contract here in the delhi lab yeah. so i delayed that and when i delayed that and then she took she someone else or something happened there's also a a personal twist to the story okay so it happens to be a like mix of both personal and professional decisions which landed me finally here in norway yeah and and now i'm working in a different lab it's not her lab so i came in touch with a lot of people here who are looking for phd candidates and then i started working in different labs seeing what fits me best and what mm-hmm. fits them best also yeah so that's how i came into this lab <laughs> yeah it's eventually uh, eventually matter of decisions you really have to take some risks and also make some like strong decisions about it and you have to yeah. be today yeah yeah so your life is ultimately a mixture of all your decisions true but like yeah. you said you also have to be like careful about uh, where you want to apply what you want to apply and what do you really want to do because if you're clear about it then the process will go eventually much more smoother because like you said yeah. not everyone will have someone who will be uh, like guide you just the way you had so you like mean whoever is listening out to us today have to get an idea that it's not difficult or not impossible but you just really have to make choices and narrow it down to yeah country or some labs yeah that's right yeah. i also been trying to germany and mm-hmm. i have in germany they have this very long process for like you have to they have this written examination uh, all india written exam and then mm-hmm. you, then you go to interviews then you come to germany for for lab rotation mm-hmm. then you go back so that your trip for coming to lab rotation is funded by that by that particular university or school that's how it happens and then you go back to your country and, and then they announce if you are selected or not 
so I've, I've cleared this um, examination step and then mm-hmm. I got called for interview and then I was thinking between Norway and whether to go and try that lab rotation mm-hmm. in Germany and I was really confused but like I said it's a, it's a mixture of personal and professional both so I had to uh, take in chances where I have more support or more confidence like that. Yeah. So going into a like completely new destination without knowing anyone and taking that risk is is much more a risk than going to a uh, country where at least I know someone who is uh, yeah. who is at a permanent position or, or who knows better everything. True. So that's why I decided. So um, now as an international student in Norway, did you have any like did you face any challenges because you're an international student in terms of like working in the lab? The lab environment is definitely different from what we are used to. Also, the entire uh, thing about shifting to a whole new country. So what were those challenges and how did you overcome them? Yeah. So firstly, I, I would like to mention this. The first foremost challenge when you mm-hmm. come uh, out of your country to a new country is confidence yeah so confidence is one thing which i came across like like when i see people here uh, talking or expressing themselves so freely this is one thing which i have struggled a lot and this all comes down from you know this is not a thing which you work on overnight or let's say in some years this is what all you have been all all the time from your family from your home so you carry all these things mm-hmm. so i think we somewhere lack as a society in India, appreciation. We lack all these confidence-boosting techniques. We have, sorry that I'm I'm kind of nagging upon all these things, but I think it's important and it's a very good platform by you for me to talk about all this. Mm-hmm. It's very important to lay stress on mental health of a person and what makes him or her happy in life yeah. rather than just talking about money just talking about politics for example just talking about pollution which is also i agree that these are i think more uh, more evident challenges in our country right now than these yeah. things but then still as when we were growing up we were never told about you know speaking abilities confidence or let's say other things all around personality stress free happy life or just as simple as being asked what you want to do or those kind of conversations yes true so i think that what i when i came i i saw that cultural change and that difference in the mindsets and how people believe in each other the family life which is exceptionally amazing in norway it's very very good the work life balance which we don't have and they have yeah. so i think that, that was a challenge to understand and kind of mix up in this society which, which is still ongoing struggle. And also the, I think I've mentioned this a lot in my Instagram and I've received a lot of uh, questions from the people about language also. Mm-hmm. So language is also one of the one of the challenge, but thankfully when you work in a lab or in a research environment, you know that you are only, you are only working with English language as mm-hmm. your main language with, for science. Yeah. So that's how you converse with everyone. But when you go out of your lab, then you see that you, you know, uh, maintaining good ties with local people is also important and having sure. healthy relationship. For that, you need to learn a language, their language. So that's also one of the thing which has taken a lot more time uh, in my first year of PhD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thankfully, uh, I'm now level one qualified in language in Norway. 
region, mm-hmm. but I still have one more level to clear. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, uh, including other problems or challenges, language is also one of the major. Uh, I cannot say it as a hurdle, but one of the uh, things which plays an important role if you really want to like. Uh, Invo- get involved and merge with the people because that's how you communicate every day and lab is still fine because most of the courses and phd is offered yeah. in english but as an international student language can be a, a you know kind of barrier yeah actually yeah. but it's nice because... that you still get an uh, enough time and opportunity to learn it during your phd so it's good i mean it's difficult to manage but it's still nice that we have an opportunity to do this yeah yeah opportunity is nice no doubt and also uh, university supports uh, phd students a lot for so there are these free language courses so that's how i have been able to do it easily and it's accessible so you have a lot of uh, groups and you can choose your timing based on the group you want to based on the time you want to attend so you can choose the group according to that so that's very helpful so it's flexible that way yeah, yeah. So Neha, how did you uh, get into science communication, and why do you think it's important? Because you have your Instagram, and you really give out messages out there to people. So how did you start this? Yeah. Uh, actually, I I started it when I realized that it's uh, it's important to share your story, first mm-hmm. of all, because it my story is really unconventional uh, compared to other PhD candidates or who are here. Mm-hmm. so and also i believe in this open science concept that means everyone should know about research work uh, all this money we are working through on and the funding especially in norway we have so much funding opportunities are they are a taxpayers money so in a way they should be more accessible and open research work like what are you doing and it should be it should be made relevant it should be made interesting and i think i should mention this here that uh, also norwegian government gives a lot of attention to these kind of things for science communication and they have their own platform like if you go to norwegian research council's page you will find a whole you will find a whole section of science communication there and what are the activities they do in a year to promote science for general public mm-hmm. so i have been aware of all that and i think that that kind of inspired me to have my own instagram for science not only that but there are also other people other science communicators which i saw and how they promote their work and it was really interesting it's it's almost like people sharing what they do uh, and what they like to do just like travelers are sharing their their travel photos that's what they like to do that's their interest their hobby their passion i think for us we are very lucky that our career is the same as our interest and hobby and passion you know yeah true totally true and completely agree with you and i think Just it's like, also- yeah uh, influencers on instagram or makeup enthusiasts are sharing all those t- tips and tricks for their makeup right yeah or the fashion yeah. or clothes so why not science why not knowledge in that way yeah i i like totally agree because i think we have a really nice platform to uh, reach out to everyone because everyone is on instagram now and yeah i think it's a really nice way to reach out to people not only students who are uh, 
doing or learning science or doing research or PhD students, but like just everyone who is just interested in knowing things and also yeah. uh, other people. It's always good to reach out to them and let everyone know that what exactly are we doing as researchers? What is the current advancements? And it's like Instagram and many other such social media is really very nice platform to do that. Yeah, actually. Yeah. And it's uh, it's also one of the way how you can show what, what you are doing in, in a 24 to 7 job of research. Yeah. Which is uh, which is unique in a way that not, not other jobs have this time flexibility and I don't know, you call it flexibility or you call it a time bounding mm-hmm. in a lab. But you are doing something different and you need to share it and you need to show that this is what you do all the time. Yeah. So I'm sure Neha, you must be getting a lot of these questions, but do you have like any advice for young people who are interested in your career path or just interested in doing their further studies in Norway? Yeah, uh, I have received a lot of questions. I also have some uh, particular Instagram posts regarding how to how to apply for Norwegian PhDs mm-hmm. and, or how to get a job here, but then also, personally, I receive a lot of questions. Most of them are from Indian candidates. Uh, so my one advice will be to acquaint yourself as much as possible to research work before you land uh, in your PhD. This especially applies for European PhDs because they are very strict for their time limit. And they only give you three years. And you, in that three years, to do a, a good PhD, uh, is it's very important that you are already acquainted with at least basic research techniques or at least you are capable of solving some basic research questions based on those techniques. So I think that's very important in this kind of PhD frame, time work. Mm-hmm. Because in other places, even in US, you get four to five years. In US, typically you start with a master's and then you clear, uh, you clear a kind of an exam and then you continue with the lab work in your research or you uh, go on as a PhD student. Mm-hmm. So that then also you have a lot of time uh, getting to that exposure and learning all those things required in your PhD. But here they, they expect you to come learn everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they're, I think it's very difficult if I think of myself as a, as a nice student now starting my PhD and working on this project, <laughs> I think that's uh, that would have been terrible. <laughs> working out these things uh, in a three-year PhD is is not because uh, let me put this frankly in terms of supervision. If you compare, like I can compare because I have worked both in Norway and India. Mm-hmm. So if I compare in terms of supervision, it's very very different. You won't get like that supervision as you get in India. So that that's a good thing about Indian PhD. You are told everything what to do. Yeah. Here nobody will tell you what to do. So you have to figure everything out. You have to figure your experiment design, how to do it, when to do it, what do you need to do it. So, and that takes time and that, that takes some kind of pre-experience also. Yeah. And a lot, definitely a lot of passion and understanding for research, which comes with time. Yeah. I hope I, yeah. I answered your question, Shweta. Yes. Or I yes. took it into another... No, no, you did. 
uh, and I think I agree with you like in India uh, whether you are just a uh, uh, internship you're doing your internship or your uh, research associate or your PhD student no matter what we uh, we get enough of guidance from our uh, PIs or whoever is in charge of that lab or you just get yeah. uh, good help from even the lab technicians which yeah. we have so yeah in terms of that when you move to a different country it can be overwhelming because you're not used to it and then yeah. you kind of feel lost but also yeah. I think it's a good point if you decide to do your PhD abroad then it kind of also makes you independent it will take time and it will be like uh, you don't know what to do but eventually you do settle down and become much more independent so yeah so that's that's one of the good points yeah. that it makes you independent at the end of the phd the purpose of phd is learning so when you finish it you you finish as an independent researcher and that's the whole point of it no yeah. matter how many papers you publish no matter how much work you did how how thick is your thesis book yeah. <laughs> in the end so whatever what matters the most is you are able to take your career ahead as an independent researcher as a scientist from now on so yeah. i think this is a very good platform to do that um, do you have any tips for students who want to study abroad like any to do's or mistakes to avoid if you're planning to go abroad for your studies yeah if i will say if you are planning to go abroad for your studies or especially for phd or research then plan it early plan it in time and it's very good if you can plan your masters ahead uh, in the same country or wherever you want to settle down or do your job or research later so do your masters in the same country because that will give you that required exposure of what you need to do to <clears throat> to land a job or land a phd in that way uh, because then it it's also very good here that they they support their master students like whoever comes and do their masters here they sub, they will support them to get a phd candidate they definitely have an edge from someone who is coming as a totally foreigner from as an international candidate directly applying for PhD like me. Yeah. I am also not directly applied. I, I also worked and then applied. So yeah. that's the edge you have when you do the masters first from abroad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it should be planned well early in your graduation time, in your BSc or bachelor's degree. You plan what, what you want to do ahead, where you want to do your master's degree from because that will decide the whole course of uh, further things. So planning early is really, really important. Not like me starting planning after after master's. So that is one tip. And just as I said before, be a, acquaint yourself as much as possible. Talk yeah. to people, write emails to your prospective PIs or people you are not even not necessarily have to be PI. Like when you are in graduation school, you can you can write to any one who you think you have came across and who is working as a researcher abroad and just write and ask up to them how it is there and what what do they work upon and uh, think if that interests you i think that is the most important thing you should you should land in a lab or a job that interests you best yeah because many people have asked me this question of uh, coming to norway and doing a phd because norway pays you very nice for to, to the phd candidates they are treated as university employees which is very good but that's only for three years <laughs> you will be paid for three years as long as your contract dates are valid on paper but after that if the phd does not interest you if the field does not interest you and you do not and you do not work that much 
or your PhD is that not is not that much commendable, then then it will be a trouble after three years yeah. for finding a postdoc or suppose finding any other job. So it depends what you want to do. Finally, as a simply as a, I will not say research or anything, simply as a p- person getting a livelihood from any career. What will be that career? So you have to really uh, be far-sighted in this field of career. If you want to do something else, you have other plans. You just want to do a PhD for now. Then that, I think that becomes a bit easy. Yeah, I think I totally agree that you really need to plan ahead and be yeah. clear in your mind what. Be clear. Need. Yeah, clarity is is required. Also, like this is most of the time I also get these questions and. Um, I think it's very common when you're applying, but uh, do you really need to have a research paper published or for that matter, any uh, small article, review article, if you're planning to apply for PhD, for example, uh, in Norway? Uh, it's not mandatory, I will say, but mm-hmm. if, if you have, that will be a, a very good edge. So yeah. I will not say a research paper, I will say research experience. Even if you don't have a paper, but you have a, on paper experience for say one year minimum then i think that's that's very very helpful uh, if you have a research paper of a, or a small review article or a co-author paper anything then that's that's even more better because you know as everything is so nice here according to the system according to the salaries and all then of course there is a lot of competition to get as get here as well in, in because I have faced that competition even after interning internship uh, in the same group working in the same group for more than six months and still going through all the stages I know how difficult it was getting finally to in mm-hmm. and after two two stages of interviews after giving proposal after doing basically everything what I can do in my hands and still I was being asked that this question that we have more eligible candidates, eligible in the way that people who have published more than you so far. Mm-hmm. And then why should we take you and not that candidate? Yeah. So how are you are hard working, but are you creative also in science? Can you mm-hmm. manage a project like this? So because let's say it's hard truth, but publications really define the uh, research ability these days. Yeah. We are working towards to change it. And that, that is the final goal. But right now it is like this. And we have to accept this as it is like this. So no matter how much you have worked as a researcher or if someone comes in the competition with more publications, then of course they will be preferred. Yeah, it can be difficult. And publications are now kind of sometimes defining the way you're doing it or how good you are but I think for master students um, like you said it's good it always always gives you an edge over other students but it's not yeah. mandatory so not having a paper should not stop you from making applications I yeah. think she Definitely. said that you should have experience and knowledge and yeah. eventually publications will come once you start your PhD but that should not stop you from aiming or applying to uh, yeah definitely Definitely, that should not stop anyone. If you don't have a paper, that doesn't mean that you cannot apply for PhD anywhere in the world. You are open to apply. And obviously, you can still make contacts and talk to PIs and talk to people around. So if you do that, you'll still have some sort of references or, you know, contacts which or relationships which, which work a lot for PhD because everyone wants to know the candidate. 
this is the thing even now uh, like being on this side is very feels very lucky and grateful but i will say that uh, i know that pr how pr select what is what goes into their mind when they are looking for a phd candidate and i i i, I saw some pis who, who were talking and discussing and they really want to know the candidate and they and they will they are ready to take a candidate if someone tells someone takes guarantees of that candidate or tells them that this is the person i know him or i know her he is a good student sincere student very hard working take him <laughs> so in spite of going through interviews in spite of going through maybe some kind of written examination and all those things yeah. they still need assurance they still need assurance from someone or that's why references are so important yeah all the people you work with never forget to take references even if it's a short time a short time what do you say research volunteership or research internship or any short project which you did with someone always remember to take your reference yeah because that's very important for phd applications references are important and also from the people who know you yeah. well yeah, yeah. so uh, neha we are like at the end of the year now and what are your yeah. plans for 2020 and how was your 2019 oh my 2019 was awesome it was it was very very great mm-hmm. and all the all the things which i have been kind of dreaming of so far <laughs> i managed to live them in 2019 so it was wonderful i think uh, starting finally with the phd after so long and mm-hmm. doing a lot of work which is still ongoing i don't know if it's sufficient it's so much mm-hmm. to do but yeah. i think i'm still one of the major challenges was to get a phd project which interests me and which you know kind of uh, ticks off all the things which i wanted to in my phd and that that i managed to do is in 2019 is is really great and whatever goes ahead is is a part of learning and that's how it's, it's never going to be easy i understand that so it's it's going to be more and more difficult each year yes. so t- 2020 will be all about uh finishing some major work in phd mm-hmm. yes. and i'm trying to have this stay abroad fellowship so that i can go to some other place possibly in us in in a lab and work for some months and that will be a very good experience for me so finalizing and doing that in 2020 and and a lot of and a lot of traveling for workshops and conferences yeah yeah that's that's nice all our listeners will be listening to this episode uh, i'm sure in the next year but it's yeah. nice and it was good to have this episode this year yeah and really what uh, what do you do in your spare time when you are not uh, working in the lab when you don't have any other thing to do what do you enjoy the most what do i enjoy the most okay well uh, these days like i'm taking a bit uh, time off from the lab like not working full time just doing a bit of cell culture and all those things but not full time so i'm currently binge watching some tv series which i wanted to i wanted to watch from a long time <laughs> Mm-hmm. Nice. So right now I'm watching Games of Thrones, which is a, nice. which is old, but I have not watched so far. So I wanted to see that, and uh, uh, like I'm seeing The Witcher in all those mm-hmm. series, yeah, mysterious and mysterious creatures and all those things. So yeah, there's a lot of TV going on, and there's a lot of swimming lessons going on. That's nice. He says, yeah. 
So that, that is one of my agenda to be uh, expert in swimming next year. Really <laughs> and also, and also there are some dance classes that mm-hmm. have started recently. So there's still a lot to do apart from research. Nice, and you should like you really need this time for yourself to yeah. be charged up again and then start your work in the lab. Yeah, actually. Yeah. So, like, you, do you like reading any books, or what is yeah. your next uh, destination you want to travel in twenty twenty? Uh, okay, about books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm currently reading this book, which was referred to me by Prasha from Her Stem Story. Mm-hmm. And this book is called Everything Is Figure Outable by Marie Farlow, and okay. it's it's a very nice book. I will recommend this to everyone. It's it's a amazing way how she has like in a very simple way she has told the whole story the narrative is is very easy to understand and and uh, how she has always managed to figure out things it's it's a very very inspiring book i think it's very good for makes a very good book for researchers actually because yeah. <laughs> you are always figuring out something or the other so it's very confidence boosting book it's very good and i would also like to mention uh this one book like i'm not an avid reader so i have not read a lot of books apart from my general course book or syllabus and all those things but i've read this book long ago when i was in india and that that this book's formed one of the inspiring things which have always pushed me in one direction for yeah. for research or phd so i would like to mention this is the last lecture by randy posh it's a very famous book already yeah it is yeah yeah this is very good book i think this is about uh, about uh, i forgot if he was a researcher but he was a academician and he was very good in studies from the beginning and then an acad- and i think he was a uh, in it i forgot <laughs> the, everything about the book but i remember all the things he discuss- he discussed about his life in the last stage when he was suffering from pancreatic cancer and this is about real life story so this guy was very very good academician from the beginning of this life he overcame all the challenges now he has a very good job he's a professor he married the love of his life and everything was fine and then he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer which has no cure yeah. and then there is this <clears throat> this tradition in his uh, institute where everyone every professor has to give a lecture assuming that this is the last lecture of his life his or her life and mm-hmm. what they want to say to the students on that lecture in that lecture yeah and this uh, coincidentally merged with his actual last lecture you know when he was really dying of the cancer but he has mm-hmm. to give this lecture i mean he could have postponed it but he wanted to give it it's a chance for him to to you know tell his story yeah. and this is this is very inspiring and emotional and yeah, all good things and that's how he prepared the book is about how he prepared for the lecture mm-hmm. and how his friend helped him to record all those moments from his life and so that they could show uh, it to that day because everyone actually know that this is what does this mean for him yeah so i would recommend this, this book to read for a lot of inspiration <laughs> and dreams it's about achieving your dreams yeah I think definitely it's a must read book and I'm also going to read it for sure now. Yeah, you should. So that's it Neha would you like to add anything or anything else you would like to say? 
yeah uh, i would like to say thank you so much shweta for giving me this opportunity to talk and share my journey with you and i'm really excited to to listen the recorded version <laughs> of the interview <laughs> but yeah wish you a very happy next year and this last uh, days of holiday enjoy relax have a good time yeah, yeah. yes you too and thank you so much for uh, joining us neha it was real pleasure to have you and i think you sure are your journey and you for sure are an inspiration to our listeners because the way you have kept yourself together and determined to do what you always wanted to do no matter how long it took to reach there it eventually yeah. it doesn't really matter and you are like true example if you want something you have to stick on to it and uh, make it happen and i think this is going to be a great inspiration for our listeners and nice one to give them a head start for the next year so i also wish you a very happy new year and lot of success and happiness in your phd I, like you have two years left and i'm sure everything yeah. will work out and in the end it will be all good yeah i hope that too thank you so much shweta thank you for joining neha thank you bye bye